Good morning and welcome. It's good to see you. This is a day that the Lord has made. We do rejoice and we're glad in it. However, today our study in God's Word is going to take us down into the pit. So I hope you've had a good morning up until now. We are continuing in our study of seeking things that are better than the world has to offer. Better is our theme for this year. And this month, we're talking about seeking things better than the world has to offer. Our topic is, do not settle for despair. So, let me ask a couple of questions. In your life, what was your darkest hour? In your life, when were you the most desperate? As we think about these things this morning, it's something that um, I think everyone must think about. And as you think about it, you may have difficulty thinking of uh, the most despair you've ever suffered. Uh, But think about it. If you have experienced uh, despair. We want you to know that uh, you've been in good company. We have some of our Bible heroes that have experienced profound despair. And we're going to talk about a few of them here just just to refresh our memory. But uh, Moses, a great man of the Old Testament, a great man of God. In Numbers chapter 11, You think about all that Moses had seen. He had seen God in the burning bush. He had seen God humble Pharaoh with the ten plagues. And he had led the people out of bondage of slavery across the Red Sea on dry land. But now in the wilderness he was feeling the burden of what God was calling him to do. And he said he was overwhelmed. And he said, Lord, why have you done this to me? Why have you picked me? What can I do? I hear the cries of the people in their tents and they're hungry and some of them are saying they would have been better off back in Egypt as slaves. Where am I going to find enough food for all these people? Lord, if this is the way you're going to treat your servant, just kill me now. And that was Moses. Elijah is a great prophet of the Old Testament. In 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah is riding high. He had gone to Mount Carmel. He had challenged 450 prophets of Baal to a sacrifice-making contest, and he whipped them. Through the Lord, Elijah won a great victory for the Lord because the Lord consumed the altar, brought down fire, and everybody that was wavering between Jehovah and Baal, they said... We should serve the God of Israel. But in the next chapter, Elijah was on the run for his life. The wicked queen Jezebel had said that she was going to take his life. And he was on the run and we find him sitting under a tree. And he's saying, Lord, I'm no better than my father's. 
If this, I'm not doing any good. Uh, this is pointless. Take my life. And next, we have the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. He mourned the unfaithfulness of Israel so much. We call him by the nickname the Weeping Prophet. In Lamentations chapter 3, we see him speaking to the Lord. And he's got some pointed words for the Lord. He's speaking as Israel. And just listen as, as we wonder, should a fellow be speaking to the Lord like this? Lamentations 3, verse 6. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Although I cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stone and made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me like a lion in hiding. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. Now listen to this. My soul is bereft. That's a great word. <laughs> oh, that's a good. Bereft. Deprived of. Lacking. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been down in it so long? You're not only lacking in happiness, you wonder if you'll ever feel it again. This is what uh, Jeremiah was saying. He's really feeling it, right? But he comes out of it. In verse 20, he says... Then my soul remembers it, remembers happiness. He's down in this low place, and he says, Then my soul remembers happiness, and is bowed down within me. And I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. So we see, even this early in our lesson, a pathway to hope and out of despair is remembering God's goodness and remembering how faithful and steadfast he is. You want to know what the next words that Jeremiah writes are? The, the next words that he writes are the verses that we sang just a moment ago to each other and to the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord Never ceases. I remember it now. His mercies, they never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Sometimes the Lord's timetable is not our timetable. And we know we're to be patient. The next few verses, 
did not make it into the song, but they're just as good. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In the Bible, we see God's people crying out to him, pouring out themselves to him and calling out. And we see God being open and transparent about it. This language where people are uh, feeling despair, it's included in God's word for us to see. Maybe we would have left it out, but he includes these episodes as well as the words of praise and it speaks to the truth of God's word and it speaks to our human experience of living in a fallen world because we experience this even believers we're going to look at Psalm 88 which has been referred to by some as the saddest psalm of all. Now that's saying something, right? (laughs) How bleak can this be if it's the saddest psalm of all? A lot of the psalms follow a formula. They start off on kind of a low note and then the person uh, says, oh, but but the Lord is good. Uh, Psalm 88 starts off slow and then just kind of tapers off to nothing. It's as bad at the end as it is at the beginning. It was written by uh, a man named Heman. And Heman was well known in Israel during the days of David and uh, Solomon. He was a grandson of the prophet Samuel. And he was a very wise man in the books of Chronicles. When it's talking about how wise Solomon is... They said, even wiser than Heman. So this fella, uh, he's a wise person. But in Psalm 88, he's really down in it. Let me share some of the verses. He starts off, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Please turn your ear to my cry. So he affirms who God is, but then he says, I'm overwhelmed with troubles. And my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down into the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Everybody still doing okay? Stay with me in the last verse, verse 18. He said, you've taken me from my friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt the despair, the loneliness of despair? And that the darkness of that is more of a companion to you 
than anybody else. Well, this is our point today. Let's not settle for the despair that the world would have us offer. Heman, let's, let's think about this for a moment. He is a believer, he's not a skeptic, but he says his soul is troubled. He has troubles. Don't know what they all were. We have troubles. We certainly do. Heman says that darkness is his closest friend. It's remarkable that God includes things like this in his word. To some of us, this may seem disrespectful. It may seem irreverent. We think anybody that can talk to God like this, he's got big problems. Well, he did. But he was taking his problems to God. We might have some issues with the way he spoke. We might ask, who talks to God like this? But he was taking his problems to God. And he did not turn from God. And that makes all the difference in the world. I saw Garth Brooks do this one time. I think it helped. Okay. You know, Job, he had to deal with this. Satan was trying to get Job to turn from God. And it says that Satan came before the Father, and God said, Have you considered my servant Job? Now there's a good one. There is a good servant. And Satan says, Well, yeah. Does does Job serve God for nothing? He's a rich man. You've made him a rich man. Serving you, God, is paying off for Job like a slot machine. You take those things away, He'll curse you. You don't know if Job is faithful to you because of who you are or because of the blessings you've rained down over him. You take that away, he'll curse you. And so the Lord says, okay, one way to find out, you just can't take his life. And Satan reached out and he caused all the calamity that Job experienced. He took everything he had, took his wealth. And Job had endured physical pain caused by Satan and uh, how he was afflicted. And Job did come to the point where he said, you know, it would have been better if I had never been born. But he never cursed God. He never turned from God, and therefore, in that, Satan was defeated. And in the war that's being waged for your soul now, the best thing to do, the the thing to do, to hand Satan another defeat, is to never turn from God. Focus on God. Go to God. Go to God with your burdens. Cry out to Him. Call out to Him. Satan is defeated.
why are things like um, this in the Bible? Well, first, let's draw some conclusions. Even a believer can have times of darkness. We don't want to be embarrassed by it. We don't want to be ashamed of it. We want to be honest about it. A believer can have times of darkness. When we pray to God, we affirm that he is God. And so we want to keep praying. Next thing we want to point out, God knows. God knows how desperate men sound. God knows what a person sounds like when he's in despair. You're not going to catch him off guard. You're not going to raise God's eyebrows with your most honest approach. To the contrary, that's the thing to do. Heman's prayer to God in Psalm 88, it's raw, it's unfiltered, it's unrefined, it's gritty, but it's also honest and trusting. Heman has enough trust of the Lord that he can approach him like this. He can cry out. He can pour himself out. And he trusts that God will want to hear his most sincere, most genuine, honest uh, thoughts. So especially in our despair, we cry out. And sometimes... People might be worried about finding the right words. Sometimes our vocabulary fails us. We don't think we can find the words, but it, it's not that way. God's Word says the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf and He will carry the burdens of our heart to the throne of God. And we can trust in that. And it's comforting to know that he knows and understands. In Psalm 88, Heman, the writer, he feels abandoned by God. So did these other people that were great people of the Old Testament. Have you ever felt abandoned? Abandoned can be something that leads us to despair. Let's talk for a moment about Jesus. I'm comfortable saying that in the Garden of Gethsemane, up until his crucifixion, Jesus experienced true despair, genuine despair, despair like we experience. We might not think in those terms because we know he's the Son of God. But he was tempted in the wilderness, wasn't he? He took on flesh to walk in our shoes I think he was experiencing despair. And in his own words in Matthew 26, verse 36, he told his three apostles, you wait here. I'm going on a little farther to pray. I am sorrowful even to the point of death. 
And we see in God's word that he perspired what were like sweat drops of blood, a sign of great anxiety. And he asked the father, is there any way that this burden can pass from me? And the answer was, there was not. There was no other way. So in terms of Jesus being able to avoid the agony of the cross, that door was closing. That hope was closing because he came to do the will of the Father who sent him, and that's what he was going to do. But I think his despair was genuine. And so when I feel despair, I think he understands completely. Had Jesus not gone to the cross, he would have abandoned us to our just fate as sinners. But he did not. If you're somebody that likes to take notes, <laughs> write this down. If Jesus did not abandon us in his darkest hours, he's not going to abandon us in our darkest hours. He won't. If he did not abandon us in his darkest time, he's not going to abandon us in ours. He's there. He said he would be. And he's always there. We do not settle for despair. We want to move from despair to hope. And we find the hope we need in the resurrection of Jesus. The Lord Jesus directly addresses our fear of death. His word pierces through the darkness and relieves our fear. He says, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Jesus died the death that we deserve to assure us of God's forgiveness and unfailing love. And Jesus was raised from the dead to assure us that in the life to come, those who are in Christ will know the peace and comfort of God's presence forever. We'll all have bad days. And for some, their bad days extend into longer periods of time, sometimes years. It's one of the unfortunate consequences of living in a fallen world. Yet it's reassuring to know that Scripture doesn't ignore or minimize our sorrow. Rather, when we're brokenhearted, the Scripture speaks to us with empathy and profound hope. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you believe in him? Do you believe that he was resurrected victorious over the grave, that there's no sting in death, and now, by faith, in him there is eternal life? If you've come to this point and you, in faith, are ready to complete your obedience to the gospel, 
we urge you this morning to be baptized into Christ and be object of all the promises and blessings that that involves. Or you may have something on your heart that's troubling your spirit and you've been dealing with it by yourself and you'd like this church to pray for you. We'd love to do that. Any, any spiritual need that you have, nothing would make us happier. But do not settle for despair. Don't think it's just something that you've got to live with. Our goal is to move from despair to hope. Jesus has said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he wants you to have it. If you don't, you can start this morning. If you have any need that we can serve, come forward now and share that with us while we all sing this song of encouragement. Would you please stand?